Welcome adventurers, this is AmuseCast 14, your podcast for everything roleplay in the world of Eorzea. I'm your co-host, Emmy. And I'm your co-host, Remix Sakura. And man, oh man, have we been busy working on trying <laughs> to finish the main scenario, yeah. <laughs> so recently, and the reason why this episode is a little bit late, is because we have been focusing on playing through the newest expansion, Stormblood. And as we discussed last episode, we had a lot to say about Alamigo, which is one of the places that Stormblood focuses on. So today we are going to actually finish that up. But instead of one guest, like we had last time, we have two. So first of all, we have our guest from last time, Eorzea's lore mom, Soundsy. Hello. And we also have from the Balmung server, Evelyn Firestone, who is the leader of the Alamigan Resistance Link Shell. Hi, and uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> I think another reason why we were a bit delayed is because all of us play on either Gilgamesh or Balwang, the two largest servers, and the Stormblood launch ran into a few technical difficulties on large servers. Yeah, there were a lot of server crashes and long queues that lasted for hours on end. It was just <laughs> insane. Rob on Savage. And even now. Yeah, Ravon Savage was one of them, but like even now we have forced disconnects and things like that on Gilgamesh and Balmung. So it's it's a little bit crazy even a couple weeks after. Yeah, but a lot of people must be coming to the game, coming back, wanting to get through everything. So it's a good sign overall, but we just hope that Square Enix can, in the future, level out some of these issues so everybody has the best experience. Yeah, definitely. In the meantime, though, everybody's free to enjoy the different content that we've seen in Alamigo. And we wanted to talk about some characters who have developed along the way. So needless to say, this episode does contain a bunch of story spoilers in this episode. If you haven't played up to Stormblood, which is the last quest in Stormblood itself, patch 4.0, and you don't want to be spoiled, this episode probably is not for you. But if you're okay with being spoiled or you've finished that, yeah. Go ahead and, and stay tuned for what we have. And it is good stuff, so we hope you're able to finish it as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, and then you can come back and listen. Mm. So, hey, last time we were on the show, we talked a little bit about Jamoldva. Soundsy had a really cool story to talk about with Jamoldva, and she's back in Stormblood as a minor character. Very excited to see her return. I screamed about it in Discord quite a bit. <laughs> uh, she shows up several times throughout, and oh, I was so excited that they gave. She has a little bit of a mini quest line later on in Alagana, and you get to find out a little bit more about her kind of before she became famous as the Hellfire Phoenix, and you get to learn about her family, which was really cool for me. But yeah, lots of screaming, lots of excitement. I can't believe they brought brought her back. Well, I can believe it, but I'm just very happy that they did. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I did not end up playing that side quest yet, but I don't know, were, were her family just all staying somewhere in Girabania, or? Uh, her family was in Alagana, and in one of the quest lines, her mother 
uh, you're talking to her niece, who's Janairo, and you can find her in Alagana, and she does a bunch of quest lines there. But she said that her mother, who was the sister of Jamolfa, was pregnant with them at the time, and so she couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jamolva couldn't get them out of Alagana before the Garlean occupation, but she did lead a bunch of other refugees out of Alamigo and to Ulda uh, before the Garleans had really settled in. Nice, nice. Another reason why side quests are always worth doing. There's so much good lore in the side quests this time. In Heaven's Ward, there was, you'd get lore snippets here and there, but in the Stormblood one, all of the side quests are worth going through because you get such good info. I really think the popularity of the lore book really kind of brought it to the attention of the lore and localization team that, hey, people are eating this stuff up, and they they went above and beyond this time. It's great. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I had so much fun just reading through all the silly side quests and yeah just screenshotting and i i think i ended up with 4k screenshots at the end of stormblood i i I might have gone a bit overboard but you know better safe than sorry (laughs) so a lot of stormblood has to do with what some might call the new main character watch out warrior of light you've been stood up by lise (laughs) (laughs) lise also known as ida or I guess previously known as Ida. Yeah, she's kind of with you through all the different twists and turns you take in this story. From Alamigo to Doma, back to Alamigo. Yeah, she she was certainly uh, interesting to say the least. I, I personally did not like her story. I, I think she, she lacked character development in the end. But if... I mean, I'm I'm happy either way. Stormblood was a good expansion. I just don't like Elise so far. I don't think she's deserving of the praise she's been getting in the Resistance. She, it, I, I, I just, I liked her more as Gita, and that says something, because I didn't like Gita <laughs> either. Well, well, <laughs> it's certainly fair to say that she gets a lot of attention and development. But what kind of person does she end up becoming? I don't think she really changed. I it's the start of of uh, Stormer, for example. She she tells people like, yeah, why don't you stand up against your oppressors? And then she does it near the end as well. It's like, Lee, you should have realized by now that this situation isn't just about courage and standing up. Like the guardians are really really oppressive towards them, and she just doesn't seem to realize this. It's just like, yeah, just get over it. Just just. Just go. It's like, please, please, no. Just stop. Just, just go away. Uh-huh. Like, it's well. just not cool. <laughs> I think, I think what changed about her is that she got her timing a little bit better. Like, I think she's realizing when, when to choose her battles and when it's like not time just yet. I think that that was the biggest change that I saw in her. And I guess there, there is a little bit of basic information about Lise that can be found. In the lore book under the Ida column, but I'm never sure like what pertains to Ida, what pertains to Lise. And I guess over over the course of the main scenario, we don't really get any huge hints as to that. And I was disappointed by that. Yeah. As for background info, we know that they were siblings, Ida being the older one. They both fled when Alamigo was occupied in 1557. First went to the Shroud. Elemental said no. They went to Charlayan. And that Ida died trying to protect a girl 
in an escape attempt across Balthar's wall. And then, of course, her younger sister took on her identity. But where was the real lease previous to this? What, what was she doing? Was she in Charlene? I have no idea. Maybe Sansi has. I, yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know. Um, what I do know is that in 1571, if you look in the time timeline section of the lore book, it talks about how Papalimo and Ida are doing uh, work with the Resistance in Alamigo, presumably in Ralgar's Reach, based on what they were talking about in the storyline. And that they were trying to get children, women and children, out of occupied Alamigo and into, well, beyond Balesar's Wall. And it was during this that Ida was killed in 1571. And about this time that Ida kind of assumed her place. So I don't know if Ida was one of these people who was taken out, if she was one of those girls who was taken out of Alamico at this time, or if she was in Charleian, or if she was in Gridania. I, I, I don't know. I thought the story would have covered this, but it doesn't... I feel like they're saving it for later. Yeah. At any rate, though, Papalimo did end up taking Lise, aka Ida, under his wing. You know, that's that's pretty set in stone at this point. And I guess after Papalimo's death, that's when Lise decided to take off the mask, so to speak, and, and worked on developing herself, not as Ida, not trying to pose as Ida, but just going through genuinely as herself. And I think... This is the part where I actually like Lisa's character. I know I'm one of those few people who actually enjoyed Lisa's character. Um, but if you look, if you read Ida's dialogue in between quest pickups, you know, when they're all standing around as a little group and you talk to her, almost every time you talk to her and she's in a place she's not familiar with, she wants to go and talk to the locals and she wants to talk and learn things from them. Uh, there's a part where she's learning how to use chopsticks. Uh, but then later she was like, I found this person. She's going to teach me how to do this in Kugane. Or I was talking to one of the uh, turtle people in the Ruby Sea, and they're going to teach me how to do this. And I thought, personally, I thought that was really cool that Ida went from this girl who was kind of dumb. We all thought Ida was kind of dumb, and we're like, how has she become a scion? And then we learned, oh, it's because Lise wasn't actually a scion, she was just pretending to be a scion. And so now that she's not pretending to be anyone else, she's actually kind of exploring the world and learning for herself, not just learning to play a role. And I enjoyed that. I mean, don't get me the wrong, there are lots of kind of predictable and tropey things that happen with her that I'm just like, oh, please, please. But that little in-between is what I really enjoyed about her character. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think there are a lot of things that were very predictable, and for that reason, like, even though there is a curiosity to her, my feelings are kind of mixed, at least up to this point. But I think because of that curiosity... And her, her backstory that she eventually escaped during the Garlean invasion. She grew up in Eorzea for some amount of time, at least, and then came back to fight. I think that did allow her to take on a central role in the main scenario. 
And there's a character who you talk to in toward the end, I believe, and you're you're talking to this guy Conrad, who had led some operations of the resistance in Alamigo in the past up to that point. And Conrad has you as the Warrior of Light talking to a bunch of people who had lost people in the past, and you're basically playing therapist at this point. <laughs> and he, after you're done talking to all these people, you come back to Conrad and he says, Three men, three stories, three reasons, yet all belong to the resistance. In growing larger, we've grown more diverse, and while there is good in that, there's also the potential for strife and discord. It takes a special sort to lead such men to Alamigo, don't you think? And so if you go through that little in-between dialogue, I think it does show like she's trying to, by learning about all these things, sort of unite everybody. And then Conrad goes on to say, The Resistance needs a leader with a wider view. Someone who's not lived their whole life in Giribania, who's known death and hardship but has not been ground down by them. As you may have guessed, I'm thinking of asking Lise, but it'll be her decision in the end. So I think that's that's kind of cool how it sets her up in some ways, but if you don't go through that, it's really hard to notice it. It's hard to notice, like, why is she maybe a good candidate for this, for leading resistance efforts? Even though, honestly, I think in the end it's still the Warrior of Light doing all the hard work, you know, as per the usual. Uh, yeah, I I still, despite Conrad saying that, I still don't think Lise, even if she got written in the backstory for it, that she makes a solid leader. Like, I feel think she is too young, too in- inexperienced. She still just had these weird views. Like, like, at the end of the MSQ, I was like, Lise, what have you done? Nothing. It's the Warrior of Light again. And I appreciate that they're shifting like everything away from the Warrior of Light. That isn't just the Warrior of Light coming in and, you know, fixing up everything. That That's really awesome. I, I really appreciate that because the story feels so much better for it. But I still think she... Yeah, I, I don't... I, I have the idea that the real reason why she's been given this position is because of her father's reputation and not because of who she is personally. She is just an idea of, you know, someone in the past. Like, yeah, he was really good for resistance. He did a lot of things. So, you know, we just put his daughter onto this pastel and just go like, yeah, she's like the parade horse of the resistance now because of her father. But I, I don't think Lise as a person is resistance leadership material still. But people are free to disagree with that. But that's just how mm. I feel about it. No, no, it totally makes sense. It's very valid. But we have a lot more to go in the 4.x storyline. We have room to see her yet succeed or yet fail. Mm-hmm. I really hope she at least goes through some struggles. I am fearing that she will just, you know, end up being amazing and awesome in the end and doesn't have too many struggles. But on the other hand, this expansion writing has been really good, except for Lee. So I am a bit oof about yeah, it. <laughs> and, and like you said, Ava, like it is really Lisa's story. Like even though we are the person who we're we're playing... We spend the most time, I guess, in their shoes. The hero is not the protagonist. And so I, I agree. Lise does have a little ways to go, at the very least, to become a leader. And so hopefully, as time goes on, we see her grow even a little bit more into that leadership shoes. If that's what Square Enix is setting for her, and I think it is, 
you know, I would still like to see some growth. Yeah, same. Totally. I, I don't want her to stay the way she is because I, I personally didn't see too much character development in her. Like she, like you said, like she got better at her timing, but she still goes like, yeah, you should be standing up to your oppressors, guys. And it's like, please, come on, honey. It's, 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 it's not that easy. You should know by now. Like we did this whole MSQ and you still just do the same thing. Stop. <laughs> but hey, it worked this time. Yeah, I didn't At it? least the resistance got a win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the same time, we got to see perspectives from plenty of other normal Alamegans. Resistance members, ordinary citizens, or even those other folks who grew up as part of the Garlean Empire, like Fordola. Uh, yeah, I was really happy to see so many different perspectives this time around. It wasn't just, like I said, just the Warrior of Light and their, their view on it. As far as the Warrior of Light has an opinion about things. But <laughs> yeah, I was uh, yeah really happy with that. There was just so many different types of Alamegans this expansion. And I really appreciate that. It was really good writing. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about Fordola a bit. Fordola, I guess we'll talk about the group that she leads after this. But she is the leader of the Skulls, and the Skulls are sort of people who were educated by Garlemald. But Fordola sort of took that route too. Instead of just kind of sitting there under Garlean rule, she decided to take a route where under Garlemald, you have to remember, you can gain citizenship by joining the military and becoming trained in that and basically just serve the Empire. And Fordola was offered, you know, education military training, and then eventually, perhaps citizenship after a certain amount of time. So, you know, given that option, it's either be crushed by Garlemald, or maybe somehow figure out a way to liberate her people through that. So why not take up that option? So Fordola decided to do that. And in doing so, she became a foil to Lise, I think, rather than doing nothing while she was in Girabania, she decided to advance her place in society from within. I can understand that, I suppose. And yet, even while she's doing that, even while she's trying to get citizenship, she's still facing a whole lot of oppression from the Garleans. You hear a whole lot of references to Alamegans as being savages. Just completely throughout the main scenario, just savage, savage, savage. Yeah. I'm not sure how it is in English, but in Japanese... They use similar terminologies to refer to the Alamegans as they do to the Beast Tribes. They do that in the English as well. Like, they're literally animals. It's very, very colonialist. Even if those people join up with Garlemald and have good military service, somehow they're always defined by their heritage. Mm-hmm. That is pretty sad. And honestly, I would argue that in some ways Fordola took up that sort of animal-beast kind of thing because she ends up sacrificing, like, she'll do almost anything to serve Garlemald and slaughter her own people so that she can liberate them pretty much in the same way that, that she's doing now. Like, you you need to join up with Garlemald because that's the only way that you can be free at this point. That's how I see it anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's important to know with uh, Fordola that I don't think it was much of a choice. I think this is just what she's been forced into. I don't think she had any choice to stop or join them. It's just, this is how life is for Alamegan children. At least that's, that's how I felt about the whole thing. She's just, 
I would hate to say victim because she does she does take it too far and she needs to she she did awful things and I don't think it justifies everything. But I, I do think she's a victim of her circumstances. She is just completely brainwashed. She thinks this is the right thing to do. This is how the Alamegans should live. This is how they will gain their liberty, their status, have easier lives. This is just how she is made into. I, I don't think she had a choice, really. I think she may have gone in with a sort of choice, but she was like, this is the best choice that I have. It's either just sit here or be educated and try and gain liberation that way. And gradually over time, maybe it turned into that brainwashing thing where she's like, it just kind of confirmed all that she had thought. And so the people who are resisting all of this, it gradually comes to be that they're misled, but there's nothing we can do about it. So we just have to get rid of them because these are the true savages. The thing is, though, I think with the skulls, uh, sounds like you need to like back me up with this, but I think they were just uh, the children of influence-rich Alamegans. If I remember something along those lines, I mean, everything muddled a bit in the MSQ for me, because I was rushing it. That is right. But these, the skulls that she leads, and Fordola herself, back in 1.0, you learned a little bit about, from the original Resistance, that what Gaius and Garlemald were doing, where they were taking away all of their children, um, once they reach a certain age, or... As children who were old enough to learn, they were shipping them off to Garlemald. They were promising them education, magitech, military training, and citizenship. And they were promising all these really great things. And then they would brainwash these children, teach them Garlean ideologies, that their parents were bad, that their resistance was bad, that they should slaughter the beast tribes to save the world. And then they'd ship them back to whatever annexed territory. And that's kind of where the Fordola and the Skulls are coming from, is they are these children of Alamegans who are brainwashed by Garlemald into believing in Garlean ideologies. Crania Lupe, uh, which is Skull of the Wolf. Gaius van Belsar was known as the Black Wolf, so it's children, the Skulls of Gaius, or the children of Gaius. Uh, they get called that, I think, once in the main story quest. But it was Gaius's kind of pet project to have this group of children who were devoted to Garlean occupation wholly and completely. And that really would just crush the older resistance people, their own parents who were fighting against them. How could they kill their own children, even though they were traitors? Right. Fordola really came into this seeing them that this is, this is freedom. If we can rise above the stereotypes that our parents are perpetrating or expounding upon and making the Garleans hate us, they call us savages, and that's because of what our parents do. But we're better than that. But we have to show Garlemald that we're better than that. But then Gaius dies, and the person who replaces him doesn't care. And I think a lot of Garleans also don't care. Uh, you saw that a lot in um, Riddaton, yeah. I believe his name was, the Rogadin with the uh, gun shield that fought under Gaius. He was another conscript who was a similar, he came from an annexed territory and then got the highest possible rank that an annexed soldier could possibly achieve. But even then, his peers, his other Garlean, 
didn't think that he was deserving of that, but Gaius himself was just like, he earned this spot. I'm more about the merit of his actions than I am about his background. But that doesn't seem like that's true of every Garlean. Man, it almost makes you think of Gaius as a pretty good guy. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I would not go that far at all. No. You think about all the stuff that they talk about in Girabania and, you know, the, the slavery. There was the the death gas that they were going to gas Eorzea with to kill everyone. All of this stuff came about under Gaius. So, I mean, he's still a very awful person. His only saving grace is, hey, I don't want to kill everyone. I just want to make everyone into slaves. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, sure, okay, I guess one is questionably morally better than the other? I don't I don't know. Uh, Eorzea full of slaves who worship me as their leader, or a realm full of dead people. Because that's why he didn't want Meteor Project, Nail's Meteor Project. He was like, why would I want to rule over a wasteland when a meteor wipes it out? I want to rule over people. Eh, alright then. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call him a good guy. I mean, maybe questionably better than some of his other legati, but, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> So you're He's not, not part <laughs> of the Gaius Still Lives faction? I would love it if Gaius was still alive, actually. Moose oh. has sold me on that. <laughs> I didn't even think about it beforehand, but now Moose keeps like talking about it, and I'm I'm all for it. If Gaius <laughs> pops up again, I'm like, yeah, Gaius. But <laughs> I like him as a character, just not as a person. <laughs> well, before we get too sidetracked on the Gaius Lives tangent... Let's talk about a very interesting character who we knew from a long time ago was going to come about in the Alamingo storyline. Wood Argelt, a.k.a. the Monk Trainer. Any Monk mains in here? Uh, yes, hello. Nice! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the quests um, yeah, were interesting. The only issue I had was just the difference between translations. And in, in English, he's a lot more defeated and he sounds more like, oh, I'm going to be bullied again and I'm going to sulk around. And then in German, he's like, I need to think <laughs> about this. It's like such a tone difference. It's like, it's great, it's right. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the class quests were really um, interesting. So um, yeah, he goes back to um, Girobania. And, well, you know, the resistance occupies the old temple. So he gets asked, like, don't you have an issue with this? And he's like, no, it doesn't matter where we rebuild. It's not the place. It's the people. I was like, okay, that is, that's cool. I, I like that idea. So you continue, you recruit some people who are interested and put a bit of a sparring show with the uh, Pugilist Guild, actually. But eventually, as always, something goes wrong. A person just comes walking in with the course brigade. And he's like, uh, I'm the son of the King of Rune. And as far as we know, there is no son of the King of Rune anymore. So, um, yeah, he, he gets really confused because he calls Willigert out uh, for his real name. And that is missing. What is his real name again? Oh, Sansi, help me. Theodred. Theodred, yeah. Sorry. There you go. Yeah, and he calls him out and he's just like, huh? Like Theobald, because that's the son of the King of Rune at the time. Uh, died like how do you know this so he goes sulking or meditating depending on what version of the quest you're doing <laughs> and yeah eventually he figures out the person in question who's calling one out is actually one of his fellow monks 
Uh, Willigert thinks on what he's uh, supposed to do and eventually he comes to the conclusion because this person, despite he's pretty sure this isn't the son of the King of Rune, does look really familiar. So he realized this is his old monk friend, uh, Adri. They both lived at the temples together. Uh, Adri was an orphan. And yeah, Willigert gets confused and he's like, oh, well, we should go confront him about this because... What the hell is he doing with the course brigade and all that? And okay, so you go confront him. And Adri actually completely lost his faith in the Fist of Walger, in the monks as a whole, as their society. He does want to restore Alamigo to the point they were before, except without the Fist, because he just doesn't believe in them anymore. He's like, they need a strong ruler, and I cannot do this if I'm a Fist. I need this heritage i need you know i need noble blood in order to lead the people under an iron fist because that's the only way we'll get garabania back so it's really tragic he lost his faith completely like due to what happened and wildegrid is obviously like no no that's not true not true blah blah you know like they have some argument and Eventually, you do uh, defeat Audrey, and the Corsair Gate shatters into the wind again, and they're back to hiding. Yeah, the whole storyline was really interesting to see, like, how a monk could end up having such different opinions all of the sudden. Like, they don't care. Like, I need noble blood in order to succeed to retake Alamigo. Like, I don't need to rebuild the fist. Like, that's, that's completely irrelevant to what I want at this point. I need noble heritage. So yeah, he faked being the mm. son, but yeah, it, it all... It all failed. And Willigert himself does not want to have anything to do with his heritage. He's like, that is in the past. I have no interest in ruling El Amigo. I just want to restore the fists. So it's, yeah, really interesting to see how I think the monks influenced him to the point he just doesn't care about being a noble. Like, he's, he's actually really regretful of what the monks did. He puts himself first and foremost as a monk and not as the new king of Alamigo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that said, even though he is the last really living heir to the throne, there's a chance that when they decide what sort of government is going to end up ruling, there's a slight chance he might be asked to become king. I mean, obviously, he's probably going to say no. But that's kind of why I see that as important, is he might come back. I, I still can imagine he might have, if they go indeed for like something like that, that he might have hold a position, you know, advisor or, because religion is really important to Alamegan. There's, there's no question about that. So he might have a role in that, but I don't think he has any interest in actually leading the Alamegans. He's just like, I want to rebuild the fist and probably like ingrain them back in society again. Not the power hunger uh, monks they were before, but before all that, basically, just the religion itself to the core. That's, I think, what he wants to go back to. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. We don't know whether the new Alamigo will end up going with monarchy again, or whether they'll make transitions toward democracy. I, I have no idea. I think uh, there will be a lot of internal conflict coming up. As I said, they're, they're still surviving Fist of Walgar, who might be really angry about the whole situation and just like, guys, this is ours now. There might be course brigades suddenly popping up. There might be tribes popping up. There, there will be so much internal conflict, I hope. I mean, they hinted at it so far back in the day, so I'm really hoping to see yeah. a lot of conflict happening. <laughs> I'm hoping that they don't go the route of democracy. Just not because 
I don't think it would work in All Amigo, but because this is just something that has become a thing at the end of each expansion storyline. Bulldog trying to become a democracy, then Ishgard becoming a democracy. Now they want to make Alamigo a democracy. I think that they need a central ruler for these people. Because beforehand, they were kind of a coalition of tribes. A republic of tribes, I guess you could say, that were kind of loosely allied when one tribe would rise up against one another. And that didn't work for them. So I'm, I'm hoping that a ruler will come about. Though that ruler will probably end up being Lise. I'm hoping that maybe it'll be something I different. Hope so too. <laughs> but it would be cool to see Widergoat or Theodred rise up and actually maybe not become the new king of Alamigo, but rather lead the fists back into their advisor role to the king or a council, whatever they decide to do, if it does become a democracy. Except without wanting to overthrow whatever role there is. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't think democracy, I might be completely wrong, will work for Alamegans, because in their past they needed this strong king to stand up and unite them. And I think if they don't have this strong leadership at the, the top, I, I don't think it will work because they have so many different tribes and ideologies and all that type of stuff. I, I don't think it will work. I mean, I might be wrong. They might just pull Nishgard on them <laughs> and have an overnight, like, okay, it's all good now, guys. Like, we're, we're all fine. We're all happy. Let's do this. Like, I hope they don't, but... We're going to put republics everywhere and every tribe gets a seat. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's just so much to manage if it goes mm-hmm. that route. They'll, they'll hand wave. Yeah, they'll hand wave it. They won't actually cover it. They'll just say, oh, it's been some time, but now our Republic of Alamigo is set up and each of the tribes has representation, which seems like what Lise was pushing for, because Lise says, in my Alamigo, you know, we won't have races who aren't thought of highly. You know, we'll, we will have a place at the table for not just this tribe of the Ananta, not just the Vera, but the the other tribe of the Ananta as well, will have room for these Alamegans and the Corpse Brigade and the Fists and everyone. And that seems to be Lisa's kind of ideal, I want a ruler, a leadership of the people, because she feels like she is one of those people. Yeah, it all sounds warm and fuzzy, but is it actually going to work? I hope not if she goes down the route. I, I want her to fall flat on her face and just somebody else steps up. I don't know who, but I I really hope to see this struggle between the Alamegans. That is all I'm hoping for now. <laughs> yeah. Fordola is ruler. <laughs> no, don't bring back yes. Fordola. Yeah. Fordola will become the new leader of Alamigo. No. Calling it now. <laughs> no way. All I have to say is... Keep Ralvan and Uda. Yes. Like, I understand no what he you wants do. to help. He can help. Just keep him mainly stationed in Uda. We'll see. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's take him out of the running. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see where it goes, though. Yeah. There is that interesting perspective of, yeah, I love Alamegan, so I want to see them struggle and fight with each other because, well, that, that's interesting and shows development. <laughs> All right. 
A lot of stuff happened in Stormblood, and there's a lot more to happen for the rest of the 4.x storyline. But for the moment, until the next patch, Avelyn, you're probably seeing a lot of new people getting interested in the Elamegan RP scene and wanting to join the Link show. Yeah, I've uh, noticed a lot more Highlanders suddenly around. Like, we used to be... I mean, not to say that, oh, you know, you need to be a Highlander to be an Elamegan or anything, but they're the big race in this expansion. So we, we do... I, I do see just if I randomly run around in the towns and stuff, I just see so much more Highlanders all of a sudden. It's like, whoa, what happened? Like, this, this is awesome. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> I've uh, I've did notice a lot of more uh, yeah Elamigans and also non Highlanders. I've seen a lot more Elamigans as well. I mean, it, it happens with any game you play. There is an expansion, and people just go, "Yeah, this is really cool. I want to role play this now." I'm like, "Awesome, come join us. It's it's fun." <laughs> I just hope you don't quit in like a few yeah. weeks. Uh, so what sort of things do you want people who are new to this aspect of the lore to know? I think it's important to remember that there is not one type of Elamigan. You you don't have to be a Fist of Valga. You don't have to be a Corsugate. Like You can just be a civilian. You can have lived outside Garabania. You can have lived under Guarding Oppression. You know, there, there's so much options for it. Like, don't think you're stuck to one thing. That is the thing with Elamigans. Like, you can be so much with your character. Like, just don't go like what the popular people are rolling. Like, if you want to... Roll this really young Alamigo who's grown up in, in little Alamigo and has no clue what Alamigan culture is beyond that cave. That is completely fine. Do you want to role play a grandpa who's been living under Guardian occupation all the time and is really terrified of Guardians still? Just just do it. You don't need to be shoehorned into one type of Alamigan because there is no one type of Alamigan. <laughs> And also don't roll a highlander, yeah, don't yeah. feel forced to do that, just just do whatever. Except for Aura, we didn't <laughs> see any Elamigan Aura, but the rest, just, just do it. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen any Lalas living in Alamigo, from what I remember. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't remember talking to any Lalas except for Pippin. You talk to Pippin, and Pippin isn't even an Alamigan. I think Sousi had something on that from 1.0. There was a Lalafell. There are Lalafell, Alamigan Lalafells in 1.0, but none came back in 4.0. I don't know whether that that's been removed or if you... I'd say if you want to go for an Alamegan Lalafell, go for an Alamegan Lalafell, but we just don't see any in the settlements that we have available to us now. So what you're saying is that either all the Lalafells have gone into hiding to avoid being punted, or <laughs> they've just all been eaten by the various monsters living uh... in Alamegan. That was probably a Garlean sport. Let's throw the Lalafell to the wilds and see what eats it. <laughs> How far can we punt the Lala over Balesar's wall? <laughs> Ten points! They won't live anyway. I, I feel like that's a f that's been in several fates, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you are big on reading item descriptions like I am, I swear, like, half of the item descriptions in this game refer to Lalafell, and half of those refer to Lalafell being eaten by monsters. It's so true. Actually, I have a fun story at the end of this regarding eating lalas. So remind me of that yeah. when we get to that point. But back to Elamigan RP. <laughs> we know, since this is a spoilerific episode, that in the end, we freed Elamigo. Yay. And they're working on building a new government. So in the RP scene, assuming that everybody in the Link Shell is done with the MSQ, how have things changed in that group? Um... 
we currently haven't roleplayed yet because of the queues. Like, I didn't want to exclude <laughs> people. And oh the, the problem seems to be fixed now. So I'm slowly like, i to give it a few more days and see if things stabilize. But yeah, we, we haven't roleplayed because everyone was doing the MSQ. People were falling behind due to Robon Savage. And yeah, it was... Yeah, that is... Wow. Uh, uh, however, I f- do think there is a lot of potential still. Like, I- I've heard some people going, oh, El Amigo is free. And, like, the resistance is, like, not a thing anymore. I'm like, do you read the quest? Like, any of it? <laughs> like, this is still a thing. Like, okay, there's one NPC is like, maybe we should rename ourselves. It's like, he has he has a fair point. But work is not done, El Amigo. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no wonder they locked Balmung, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it was crazy on Balmung, like, it was, I, I just got really lucky, but it, it proves, don't stand AFK crafting, guys. It makes the server go completely wonky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> now there's forced logouts. Uh. Yeah, I'm really glad they're doing it. I mean, for me as a European, it's like, okay, it's a bit about my prime time, but on the other hand, I'm like, you know, I'm playing on the US server, so I'm not going to complain about it. <laughs> yeah. But it's good to know that you've seen a lot of new people come in, a lot of new just content to work with. A lot more mm-hmm. new stuff just injected into your world. That's really awesome. Yeah, like I said, like the roleplay is far from finished. Like I, I, I even said to people, it's, it's, it's going to start right now. Like we actually have something to work with now. Mia, it's not the end, it's the beginning. So the purpose of the Link Shell, it seemed like there were some events that were going on where you were talking about, you know, liberating Alamigo and things like that in Little Alamigo. Do you have any plans to change the purpose of the Link Shell or like future events that are going to go on? Um, well, obviously we won't stand around a little Alamigo shouting we have to <laughs> liberate Alamigo. <laughs> that, is, uh, <laughs> that is one thing. But uh, yeah, like the, the things we run, I mean, we would probably have some big celebration at one point because I heard people from various fan company role players like, oh, can we do something? I was like, yeah, sure. We can see once the queues are stabilized and stuff because I don't want people to miss out first and foremost. But um, yeah, it's it's just like the roleplay itself will probably shift more uh, if there's people interested towards politics. Well, it's kind of hard to do because you get NPCs and stuff involved. And that's the thing I personally sort of shy away from because I'm like, oof, I don't want check to too much power, you know, like just, just let her be. But uh, yeah, like the, the stories like you, it's on rebuilding, like the trading posts and stuff you can even hold from running events to just keep wildlife of the trade routes to um, holding market days or anything. It's or preparing for guardian attacks again, because I imagine people are in full force preparing for the emperor to swoop in at any point. Better to be safe than sorry. There is so much to do still. Like you can go so many routes. Like you can be a civilian and just be a merchant. You can be a mercenary still, even if you're not Alamegan. And just want to, you know, help them out with getting things off the road and give them a chance to reestablish a trade post. Yeah, there is just a lot to do. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, that's really great to hear. Your time has really come. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm really happy you actually get something to roleplay with instead of Ishgard, who was just like, yeah, it's just the politics now. You know, <laughs> like, I- I'm really glad they did so much more effort with Stormblood. And I do think the lore book really helped with that. Like, I'm really grateful that book was so popular among all continents. So, yeah. <laughs> Soundsy, do you have anything to conclude with? I only have that I'm excited to see how people work around the timeline. 
of Stormblood. And I mean that to say that Stormblood takes place over five to six months. And I don't know where people are going to start and finish. Like, my Link show, we've been talking about wanting to do events in the time period where the Warrior of Light is in Doma versus immediately hopping into All Amigo is free. Yeah. But even after that, I know a lot of... I roleplay with a lot of characters who are all Amigan, who have kind of moved on and done other things or gone to other cities, mostly Limsa. And we're all going to be doing events where we'll be helping out the grand companies, but after the fact, we'll be working as uh, soldiers and guards and clearing out monsters, like Evelyn said. Uh, you see a lot of people still in the resistance gear walking around. Uh, taking over the city. They've just kind of become the standing army of Alamigo now. So that'll be fun to actually roleplay. Yeah, that, that's another challenge like roleplayers in general are going to face. Which timeline are you roleplaying at? So it's like, oh, it's going to be a headache. I, I'm, I'm probably, with the Resistance Link show, uh, probably going to push it after Liberation of Alamigo because I just... It's going to be such a headache to... I'm like, yeah, this character's in that timeline. The other one is in this. It's like, just, just be done with it. Like, I'm kind of disappointed that there wasn't really a longer time period to liberate El Amigo through the MSQ, like 4.1 or 4.2. But on the other hand, I'm just like, yeah, we can continue from this. As I said, the roleplay is not ending. It's just starting now. So I don't mind it. But yeah, as I said, I, I personally, with my own roleplay, I will have some scenes during the war, like before the, the whole thing happens. But as a community as a whole, I'm just going to push one timeline. It's just like, we're going to go here and go from there on because otherwise it just gets too chaotic for everyone involved like not even the link show but also people outside the link show because i don't want to exclude people who are not in the link show still even if we have some events for just link show only in the future it's just the easiest way to go about it i think yeah not even thinking about the fact that everybody's in a time bubble <laughs> yeah it's it's oh, yeah. it's because I, I, I sound to you as well. Like, how long did the liberating take? And it's like, do we have anything in the MSQ about it? And it sounds just like, oh, I, I know it takes this and this long to, you know, travel to Doma. I was like, okay, well, I guess <laughs> we will see. I like that they hand wave that. Yeah. Yeah. That was my favorite part was you're halfway through the journey. And then Carvalain says, oh, let me show you to your quarters. I'm like, well, I've already been up on deck for a month. I guess Carvalain was trying to hide all of his spices from uh, Alice. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that concludes our coverage of the newly liberated nation of Alamigo. Now, what have we all been up to? Well. What are our stories for this episode? Right. Every week we discuss... Something that has happened to us in character, out of character, in game, or out of game. Just something Final Fantasy XIV related because we love the game so much. Um, yeah, something that's happened recently. So, who has a story today? Me, 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 pick me. Okay. <laughs> Remix. Yes. I pick you. <laughs> yes. Other than grinding through the MSQ on my main, who's luckily a healer, so the Qs are not so bad, and dealing with Ralvon Savage and everything that comes from playing on Gilgamesh... I decided to take my Balmung alt and try out this new jump potion. Now, at first, when jump potions came out, I was still committed to doing the whole MSQ on every character, doing it the old-fashioned way, but 
I was trying to finish up the pre-Titan epic fetch quest of Doom. I went and got the goblin cheese from Brayflox's Longstop. And I'm like, all right, all right. Now can I fight Titan? And the guy's like, no, no, you got to go get the wine. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I mean, I felt that the first time I did it. This is now the fourth time. And then I'm like, uh, uh, you know what? Screw this. I go to the Moloch station. I pay $25 and I bought the story skip jump potion. Now, I wanted to give a review of that experience because there are some quirks to it. And some people may be thinking of doing it. Hopefully nobody is thinking of doing this on their main and plays through the MSQ at least once. But I think it's a good option for alts. And now that I have a character on Balmung and there's no way to get another character, safe to say that she's going to stay in place for a while. So how it works is you go to the Mog Station, go to optional items. I forgot what the item is actually called. Tales of Adventure. Yeah, Tales of Adventure. And if you buy the one that's $25, you get, no matter where your character is, it could be fresh level one. You buy that one, you log back in, and you check your Moogle Mail. And you'll get three items. One is a book, Tales of Adventure. Another is silver chocobo feathers, which I couldn't actually use, but apparently you trade in at some point for level 60 gear. And then you get some coins basically worth 300,000 gil so that, I don't know, you can afford to teleport. They give you a little bit of money to work with to start out with, which is kind of nice too. So what you do is you go to your Moogle Mail, you use the item Tales of Adventure, and then you're immediately logged out while they go and update your stuff. You log back in and everything is the same except magically your MSQ progress is advanced to the one right at the beginning of Stormblood Beyond the Wall. Also, you would have access to all the Aetherites throughout all of Ishgard and everything, access to all the instances. They said the select side quests would be completed. By that, I think they mean all the Aether current side quests, things like that. Things needed to unlock certain, basically the side quests that are marked with blue. I haven't had enough time to run around and test what is and isn't complete, but magically all of those things are changed. If I went and did my leveling roulette, I would have access to all the dungeons up to my actual job level. Now, I chose not to use a job jump potion with this character because she means a tank and they just throw EXP at tanks. They're just like, here, take this EXP. You, you get an adventure and need bonus and you get an adventure and need bonus. So I found out that if I run guild test roulette and leveling roulette, I can go up a level every single day. <laughs> So I felt that's that there was pretty nice. yeah I felt that there was no need to do that and I also want to learn to play my actual job, <laughs> but basically I won't be able to advance in the main scenario until I do enough leveling roulettes or enough fates or whatever to get up to that point. So that's how it works. I can go Explorer's Guard if I want, but I can't go to Alamigo. So I'm stuck in a place where I, all I can do when I log on is roulettes and side quests, and I am going to go do all the side quests because I actually really like them. And just do whatever I need to do to get up to level 60. So I definitely think that it was worth doing it at least once. Because I say that I'm going to do it the old-fashioned way. And it just it's so long at some points. There's some points that just really drag. You know, I'll just have to be satisfied with three main scenario playthroughs instead of four. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a lot of main scenario playthroughs, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's worth doing. If you're in a situation where you want to get up to Stormblood... You have an, an alt, maybe. You know, of course, we're altaholics with lots of them. <laughs> and there's still lots of MSQ work I have to do on my other characters. So, you know, there'll be no shortage of that. But just so you know the in and outs of how it works. Unless you go and buy the story jump potion and the job jump potion, or you already have a job for level 60, 
it's not like you can immediately go into Stormblood, and they do restrict it that you can't buy your way out of anything Stormblood or later, which is good, but it'll let you catch up. And if anyone needs a low-level tank of Balmung, just hit me up. <laughs> Make those cues <laughs> I'm sure faster. a lot of DPS. Yeah. A lot of DPS need those tanks. Yeah. Who's next? I guess I'll go next. I have two stories, and both of them are fate-related. Oh? So the first fate-related story that I'll talk about is the one that I told you guys to remind me of. So you know how there are a lot of fates and a lot of item descriptions where it talks about eating lolifels, right? Yep. <laughs> And I am a Lollafell, and I've gotten really, really tired of this joke because it's just been so overused. And, like, we see, I, I go onto Facebook groups and I post things, and usually there's something about eating a Lala, punting a Lala, just general people bullying on Lalas for being Lalas. Racism. It's supposed to be in good fun, but it gets a little bit annoying when you expect it every single time, you know? Well, finally, I found a quest where it does not talk about eating Lollafells. And it is the fate, eat big or go home, and the description is this. To sate their appetites, Highland Arukas do not bother with smaller prey such as rabbits, tigers, and chocobos, Quikrin merchants, Ananta battlemaids, Rogadin mercenaries, these are what the vile can crave. So, they don't eat lalas, they eat rose instead. Aha! <laughs> I finally get the one fate, I found one fate that does not eat lalas, and I was... <laughs> Pretty excited about that, and I took a picture of it. It's, I don't know, it was entertaining. <laughs> I get my momentary uh, entertainment from that. The second thing is something that I like to do with my main character, Scoot, and it is when I go through any sort of main scenario quest and I encounter some sort of obstacle, I usually create some kind of in-character reason for it. For example, Raban Savage, we talked about a lot, where people would stand in front of Raban and for whatever reason, they would only let a couple people into that instance at a time. So you ended up with this entire mob standing around Raubon, right? And I just kept on... I would think that maybe my character started begging Raubon, and eventually Raubon let him in when he started crying. Something like that. <laughs> so the other day, I was running around in the fringes, I think it was. And I was just running around trying to level my botanist. And I run by a fate, and in this fate, it's about Eorzean Alliance forces who are out training, and they want to go practice with the Warriors of Light, and, you know, just take them on and get stronger from it. Well, what I found was, because my botanist was similar level to it, of course, the fate mobs aggro onto anything that comes by. So what I found was that the Eorzean Alliance troops are in grave need of some training, they need some retraining because apparently they cannot tell the difference between a warrior and a simple botanist. <laughs> you know, both of them carry axes, but the attire is so much different. And I don't know. So so I ended up dying because of that fate. And yeah, those Aorzean Alliance forces and officers even need to be retrained very badly. So I'm going to go leave a complaint with the Maelstrom in particular. <laughs> yes, Merlwood will uh, think about looking at it. Look, we've never seen a botanist, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need plants on a boat. <laughs> yeah, what are these plants? You've just seen a bunch of sauerkraut. Right? Well, you need to get the sauerkraut from somewhere, right? The so rose. don't kill your botanist. You just steal it. <laughs> That's right, you steal it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Limsa Liminsa. <laughs> Limsa Liminsa with its reputable spice trade. Mm. Hey, everything we do is legal <laughs> somewhere. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Under the libertarian military dictatorship of the Maelstrom. <laughs> it's an excellent It's even said system. in the main scenario. <laughs> Carvalene says, like, everything that we do is legal. You know, we aren't yeah, breaking any rules. it's just law... That law in this land is a little bit of a fuzzy concept. Mm-hmm. Speaking of a place that went from a uh, democracy to a dictatorship and is doing quite fine. C- can we not just take her and put her in El Amigo? Solve everything? <laughs> <laughs> her cannons did all the work, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll talk about my uh, thing. I have an RP-related story. Way back when I first started writing, I kind of talked about this last I was about to say last week, but last episode, I talked about how my character was an Alamegan who fled when the Garleans came to occupy. She has a sister, and she has always had a sister, and that sister was kind of accepted by the Elementals in Gridania. My main character, Soundsy, was not accepted by the Elementals in Gridania, so she left and joined the Resistance, and she's been fighting ever since trying to free Alamigo. A lot of people, based on the way that Soundsea kind of avoids talking about her sister, have thought that the younger sister was dead. I've decided to bring her back into roleplay, just for Stormblood. I-, I feel like this is the time to bring all my character's story full circle. And I was like, well, I can't do... I can't wrap up Soundsea's story without Soundsea's sister. And so I brought her back, and it's just been destroying feels everywhere. No. They, thought, they thought she was dead, and I was like, I never said she was dead. Uh, so I'm really excited to start doing that. I'm waiting on 4.1 so I can level potion her, though. I can't go through the storyline like you did three times. I, I can get up to 15 and do like the intro for each of those, but... Oh gosh, those Titan quests. Those are awful. Yeah. I couldn't do it. That's what broke me in the end. It was the Titan Fetch quest. I, I don't blame you. But I already used my jump potion. I used a class jump potion and a story jump potion on another character of mine who was a merchant from, I guess it'll be Kugane. He was generalized. He was from Hingashi. And I was like, well, I guess I can use him in Kugane RP now because he's, he's kind of a grocer and a trader. And so I wanted to be able to play as him in Kagane. So I did the jump potion and the level potion and story and all that. And I was like, okay, great. And I didn't realize that you could only use one job potion. I thought it was one of each kind of job potion. Like you could only use one bard. Uh, I didn't realize it was just one period. So I was like, oh no, no, I'm stuck. I can't, I can't level boost more people. But I guess that saves me money. It keeps me from being bad. <laughs> um, I mean, if, if you want more, I have my... It's it's not exciting at all, though. It's just uh, my character had her baby finally. Well, her seventh baby, because... Seven? <laughs> yeah, she, she had a lot of kids. She lost the first two. Well, no, not lost. Like, she lost forcefully contact with it. And she's like, I, I miss them. I need more babies. So she got more babies. And then... So what happened, basically, with her... Um, those 
children constantly interfered with her work for the resistance and her mother didn't like that. So she kept uh, shooing her partners off with the babies and she missed the baby. So she's like, I need to find another. And then after the sixth, she was like, maybe I should stop this. Because she had no idea her mother was doing this. Because her mother was really, really angry, vile, fist of vulgar. So... Yeah, people were just not like, oh, I'm gonna try to give her a lip and go, you know, that let's, no, they just run. Okay, so she was left alone. But yeah, she had her last child now. The only issue is she has the whole struggle of like, do I be a mom or do I go fight for resistance? So she's just sitting there like, oh, do I need to leave this child behind again? Because I need to go fight for the resistance. Except this time she knows where the kid is going. She's just leaving with the family instead of father disappearing with child and she just goes oh i don't know where they are now so it's a good thing but it, it's it's kind of sad it's like this whole struggle of like i want to be a mother but i also need to be a fist i need to be a leader i need to like you know get a bit of a good reputation back again i need to fight for resistance i need to liberate but sadly enough taking care of my baby is not a thing that fits into my schedule right now <laughs> it was kind of sad because oh. her partner is all like, oh, I, I want to take care of this baby. Can we just not, like, not liberate El Amiga and Avis? is like, but, but Aiden, we really need to. And he's like, mm. <laughs> So, wow. yeah. I hope that uh, these kids get some therapy in the future. <laughs> I, I, for, for, for all Ave's flaws, I, I was like, I'm not going to make them too tragic. Like... Their fathers did a good job at raising them. Like, they don't have much missing of aid. They're, they're really nice people for the most part. So it's, it, I, I didn't want to go too tragic with it. It's just like, yeah, Eve has a lot of missing, but I, I, I did want to give the kids like, yeah, their fathers did a good job because, you know, single fathers can, can do good jobs as well. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good to know. It's a little bit comforting. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. So thanks again to both of our guests for joining us and sharing some of their love for El Amigo in the past and going into the future. Yeah, thank you for uh, yeah, having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Twice for a Yeah. <laughs> it's great to have you guys on. I think this was a lot of, of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. <laughs> then again, there was another part of the world that we got to explore quite a bit in Stormblood. Gee, I wonder what's next. Yeah. <laughs> sort of an Asia-inspired zone. Hmm, doesn't quite ring a bell. Mm. Does Doma <laughs> ring a bell? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're, t we're talking about Doma next. Yeah, a lot of people have already been doing Doma-based RP, but I'm sure that they've got so much more to work with, similar to El Amigo. So we're going to dive into that next episode. Until then... Happy Stormblood, everybody. And if you want to hear more of our back catalog, visit us at musecastxiv.com. Yes, you can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. And you can visit us on our website, like Remix said. You can also find us on Facebook at MusecastXIV or on Twitter, same thing, at MusecastXIV. And if you like what you heard and you want to help us out a little bit with production costs, we of course have our donation options. You can donate to us through our Patreon, where among other things you can unlock access to bonus content, the things that we wanted to talk about but didn't get time to do so. And you can get access to episodes before they actually come out, which is pretty exciting. You can also donate to us one time 
on our PayPal. And for both of those, all you need to do is go over to our website and click on the shiny blue buttons on the right side of the page. Yep. Everything we get from Patreon and PayPal goes right back into the show to covering costs and reinvested in special events and prizes for listeners. And we thank everybody who has donated so far. Indeed. We're also on Tumblr, if you go to MusecastXIV, and we have a Discord channel, which is quite active lately with story discussion. Oh, it really is. The Spoilers channel (laughs) has been extremely active lately with people just talking about that main scenario and side quests and just questions about all that. So if you need lore help or want to talk about all your feels, it's a good place to do so. Oh, yeah, yeah. We we welcome feels. (laughs) So until next time, when we travel over to Doma, take care, listeners, and we're looking forward to seeing you next time. Yep. See you next time. 